This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. We end today with the story of Buffalo Soldiers, members of all black regiments who fought for the U.S. in the 19th and early 20th centuries. The Vancouver-based filmmaker Drew Hawley explored the complicated legacy of these men with a focus on the role they played in the subjugation of indigenous peoples. His film is called Buffalo Soldiers, Fighting on Two Fronts. It airs tonight at 9 on OPB TV. And Drew Hawley joins me now. Welcome and congratulations. Hi, Dave. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us. A historian points out early in your film that large numbers of black soldiers served in the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, in the Civil War. But you focus on the time that follows. What started happening in in 1866, after the Civil War? Yeah, 1866, there was the Reorganization Act uh, by Congress. And in that act, they they uh, not only were the black regiments established, but also uh, the Native Scouts were established at that time, too. So that gave um, black men the opportunity to serve in the United States Army. Hmm. Slavery had technically been abolished, but what were the life circumstances for Black Americans in the South or in the North, for that matter? So, you know, there's different. So this was at the time of uh, the re, you know, re. Uh, so they were former sharecroppers, right? Uh, sons and daughters of former sharecroppers getting an opportunity to make 13 bucks an hour, uh more than they ever have or their their fathers or grandfathers ever, ever had. So uh, this was an opportunity for them. What was the opportunity? What was the promise to, to would-be black soldiers? What was the promise? <laughs> well, I would say the promise was citizenship and equal rights, right? Uh, uh, the promise was um, to be... be of honor, right, to serve in the United States Army. Uh, the promise was um, uh, um, to be to be citizens. Hmm. I want to listen to a, a clip from the movie. This is the writer and curator Anthony Powell. When I was a kid, I was very, very lucky to have my grandfather, who had been a Buffalo soldier. His name was Samuel Nathaniel Waller. He joined the Army in 1887 and retired in 1927. He died in 1979 at 105. I asked him one time, I said, respectfully, how come you serve this racist country for 40 years? And my grandfather told me something that it took me a while to appreciate. He said the army gave him the only part of the American dream that the nation would let him share. Hmm. Where were these soldiers sent in the 1870s and 1880s? Uh, they were sent to the Wild West, right? Uh, this was as America was trying to expand westward. Uh, and they were basically border patrol, right? Um, so they were sent west. Ryan Booth, who is an Upper Skagit tribe member and a historian, says in your documentary that, that this amounted to total war. Can you describe what these 
soldiers, black and white, were asked to do? In our film, Buffalo Soldiers Fighting on Two Fronts, we take a hard look at complexities of histories like race, class, power, and colonism. But all along, we want to tell a true story, right? The film is supposed to be entertaining, but most importantly, educational. Uh, the best way that to honor our Native American brothers and sisters, as well as the Buffalo Soldiers, is to, to tell a true story, right? And, and, and that by acknowledging that the, uh, the Buffalo Soldiers were involved in the suppression of our, our Native American brothers and sisters. Hmm. What are the different theories, even just for where this phrase, Buffalo Soldiers, came from? You know, a lot of it is theory, right? And we had, in the film, we have uh, all the historians kind of tell us <laughs> their version of where, where the name came from. But, uh, and, and I guess to sum it all and put it all together is that you know, these Native American people who hadn't seen these colored, uh, these black men uh, before, right? They seen these darker skin, right? They seen their their hair, they seen the way that they, they fight in battle, right? And they they had very great admiration for the buffalo, right? They were their life source. So um, I think it was a term of honor, but either way, the buffalo soldiers held that name with honor. Hmm. Oh, so that, that name became... Um a name that, that black soldiers embraced. Absolutely. Hmm. I want to play another clip. This comes from Daryl Milner, a, a PSU historian who our listeners may remember from a number of uh, appearances on Think Out Loud. Um, and he's interviewed in your documentary as well. This is part of what he has to say. We look back and we see two populations of color. So we assume there would be some kind of potential alliance the Buffalo soldiers did not look at the Native Americans and see another, in quotes, colored population. They saw a designated enemy. I'm curious how, how you, as a, as a filmmaker, reckon with what Daryl Miller there is saying. Uh, first and foremost, um, my good friend, Daryl Milner, who I love to death, is uh, sick right now. He couldn't make our show this morning, so I want to tell him to get well soon if he's listening right now. And that was our friend for you. Um, and yeah, and he was just—he's uh, just a great teacher and right, and a, and a true legend himself. I think you know, during it was very early on in this film. I set out to make a, a aspirational, inspirational film about the Buffalo Soldiers. Right, but very early on, I you know didn't know much about the history uh, prior to making this film and learning about the participation in the, in the Indian Wars was something that was uh, it was hard to to understand how to tell the story you know with with that element uh, with you know with with that involved. But we, again, we wanted to make sure that, like, we want to tell a true story. In the Early on in the film, we show Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders, right? And we expand that image out. You see the Buffalo Soldiers, and you'll hear all about how the Buffalo Soldiers were the ones who actually uh, conquered San Juan Hill, right? And in this film, we want to expand the, the lens out and show show viewers that history isn't as, excuse the 
you know, the term black and white, as we've been told, right? These stories are complex and they're real, right? So again, the best way to honor our, our the Buffalo soldiers and our Native American brothers and sisters is to make sure that we're telling the truth, right? We're expanding that land, we're looking at the complexities, and we're opening it up for conversation. If you're just tuning in, we are talking right now about all black regiments in the U.S. Army. The Vancouver-based filmmaker Drew Hawley has made a new documentary about their lives and their stories. It's called Buffalo Soldiers Fighting on Two Fronts. It airs tonight at 9 on OPB TV. How were these black regiments treated by white officers? Just like with the name of the film, uh, Fighting on Two Fronts, not only were they fighting uh, for America, they was also fighting against America, right? And dealing with this, the, the, the civil rights that they had to deal with that, you know, that we currently battle today. Um, so they were very much fighting on two fronts. They were fighting for their rights, but they're also fighting for America. You could have made an entire documentary just about one person um, who's featured in your movie, a pioneering black officer named Charles Young. Can you give us a sense for some of the highlights of his extraordinary life, starting, I think, with what he endured as an officer in training at West Point? Yeah, Charles Young is, you know, throughout every Black History Month, we're told about our, you know, stereotypical cast and all due respect, right, to to those. But Charles Young is a hero that we, 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 we don't know about and that is perhaps left out. Uh, Charles Young was the third Black graduate of West Point. Uh, Charles Young uh, is the first Black Brigadier General retroactively. Um, he should have received that honor a long time ago, but he received it in 2021. Charles Young was like uh, our first national park superintendent. Um, yeah, and, and Charles Young was also like one of the first army commanders who used um, machine guns, right, in, in, in their campaign. Oh, right. He was he was an uh, innovator for sure. Hmm. Oh, right. There's a moment where uh, we find out that he used it uh, to provide cover in a way that apparently hadn't hadn't been done before and then became standard. He also played a role in Liberia. What was he doing there? Yeah, he was attache in Liberia uh, for the army. Right. So he was helping. um uh, he was helping the, the Liberian force kind of learn American uh, military tactics in, in Liberia. And Liberia is also very interesting, right? It was established by former slaves, right, and uh, back in the 1820s, right? They left America and was sent, you know, back to Africa, per se, and established this country. You focus mainly on men who served in these all-black mansions because that's what it was. But you do also tell us the story of one extraordinary woman as well. Can you tell us about Kathy Williams or William Kathy? Kathy Williams or Williams Kathy. uh, At first, I thought her story was a myth, right? But we we were able to uh, find 
definitive answers for, you know, for who she was, documentation. We weren't able to find any images of her, so we relied on our amazing uh, creative director, Ayana, who is extraordinary. She's, she, she made sure that Kathy Williams, she, she designed the look of Kathy Williams since we didn't have any other way to depict her. Hmm. Um, you know, Moses Williams, who's buried right down the street from me here in Vancouver at the Post Cemetery, I pass his grave every day on the way to the highway. And Charles, Moses Williams was that connective tissue that took us through the West, right? And then, and, it took us through the Indian Wars, right? And at the beginning of that Buffalo Soldier story, Charles Young's story took us through the turn of the century and as America headed across the Pacific to establish their empire and, and the Philippines and Puerto Rico and so on and so forth. Kathy Williams' story didn't necessarily fit into the narrative, but her story was so important, you know, that we couldn't, we couldn't leave that on the cutting room floor. And, and what was the story? Oh, Kathy Williams, she uh, changed her name to Williams Kathy, uh, disguised herself as a man, uh, and served in the Army until she was she was found out during a surgery. Uh, first, she got in, in there over a clearly <laughs> superficial exam, right? They didn't check her uh, or check them. Um, and when she, she was continuously having health issues and once she was, uh, they had to perform surgery on her. That's when they found out she was a woman. Uh, she was dishonorably discharged and, uh, died and, and died in Trinidad, Colorado. Hmm. You talked about, in a sense, the, the expansion, the beginning of American empire for, I mean, both, Westward, um, the, the taking over indigenous lands in in this continent, but also you know going say for example to the Philippines in this same time, or by that point the, the turn of the twentieth century. Can you describe the the debate among Black Americans about the Philippine American War? Yeah, um, I think just like today. Um, Know, black people, we all have our difference of opinions on things, right? And I, that was much, very much the debate at that time, right? We're not a monolith with one voice uh, like we have. And, and inside our community, we're going to have a difference of opinion. Uh, and, you know, some, you know, Ida B. Wells included, wondered, you know, why are we, we as African-Americans going to fight these other people of the same hue and tone of us, right, for this country that clearly doesn't care about our civil rights. And there was other uh, articles where, and newspapers that had the complete opposite, that it doesn't matter uh, the skin tone, right, we fight for America, period. So, I mean, that was just difference of opinions at the time. How did that play out among black soldiers? You know, um, one of the stories that I didn't get to dive into very deep was the door, story of David Fagan, right? And I find his story com so compelling, right? And due to what we were trying to tell in this hour-long documentary that we couldn't fit into, you know, we couldn't go down too many, too many um, storylines. But this was a uh, American soldier right, who defected to the uh, Filipino army and rose to be captain, right, um, and and I found this story, you know, completely compelling. 
How much credit were Buffalo soldiers given for their many achievements? I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say, you know, a lot of them received Medal of Honor, during, especially during the Civil War. And Moses Williams was one that kept his Medal of Honor. and He's Oregon's first African-American Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, and he received it at Fort Stevens. And a lot of them kept their Medal of Honors. But And as we know, throughout the history or throughout time, we've forgotten about this story. I'm not sure why, because there haven't been much taught about it in our in our schools. So I hope this film is uh, a catalyst and a resource for educators to continue to use it. Can you tell us what happened in Brownsville, Texas, in the summer of 1906? Yeah, you know, to make a long story short, um, in Brownsville, Texas, you know, some black soldiers were accused of uh, of shooting a civilian, um, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, you know, you know, this dishonorably discharged uh, uh, like a hundred soldiers, right? Uh, which was later uh, found out that this this story wasn't true, uh, and every other soldier was dead except Dorsey Willis, who received a twenty five thousand dollar check uh, for for back pay uh, for for that action. I mean, you talked earlier about the the promise of signing up that you know to to be. Um, a citizen to actually have equal protection under the law. How much was that promise kept? I mean, did serving in the army provide a path to a better life? Yeah, you know, I would think so, right? Um, And just like it is today, right, for folks who don't have the opportunities to, you know, go to college or don't have the opportunities to leave, you know, Southern Mississippi or their hometown, you know, the army is, is a path way out of that. Um, though they wasn't, they didn't receive what America promised, right? That was an opportunity, opportunity for them either way. What did you learn about a, a group called Buffalo Soldiers of Seattle, a group that, that meets to this day? Uh, Buffalo Soldiers of Seattle are my muses, along with my daughter. In 2018, I was volunteering at the Langston. I was volunteering for the Langston Hughes Foundation, and they was having a Juneteenth celebration. And this was 2018. Juneteenth wasn't very well attended, and it almost felt like people had forgotten about the uh, Juneteenth. So they wanted to record a kind of a promotional video because that's what I was used to doing is going out and recording promo videos, music videos and things like that. Uh, while I was uh, while I was going to the festival and was going to capture footage, I brought my six year old daughter with me. Um, while I was capturing footage, she checked out the festival. After a while, I heard her say, "Ooh, horsies. <laughs> when I looked up. I seen this all black regiment straight out of the 19th century galloping up the hill on horseback. And it felt like they were, they were in slow motion. <sighs> and she was like, who are they, daddy? And I, I hate to use her voice. She sounds way cuter than me. <laughs> You're making her sound pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> who are they, daddy? And I, and I was, and I was stumped. I was like, who are these guys? 
and I and I think it was the Bob Marley song that eventually came to me, and I said, I think those are the Buffalo Soldiers, hmm. and I'm not sure why I connected the two together. Then her next follow-up question is, who are the Buffalo Soldiers? And after doing some, you know, some research, I couldn't find a lot of information out there. Uh, definitely Wikipedia and a couple video clips uh, on YouTube. Uh, so being the filmmaker that I am, you know, I, I, my first thought is I'm going to do a promo video for the Buffalo Soldiers of Seattle, right? Those group. I think what they're doing is great. But, you know, I didn't want my my kid or or our youth to kind of have the same feeling that I did and not know who, who these, who these gentlemen were. So I decided to make this documentary. How did making this story impact you personally? We just have about a minute left. Oh, I had to grow so much (laughs) during this process, right? This was four years in the making. I mean, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of hearing no, I heard no, like, I don't know, maybe a thousand times to the <clears throat> to the maybe the 20, 20 times I heard yes, right? Uh, and, and those numbers aren't necessarily true or exact, but you know, building building a thick skin, learning how to properly produce a a, a show, a, a, a movie, a feature. Right, was I was able to use translate those skills over to my company now is Blackball Films, and we do, we work all over Portland for different clients like Travel Portland, Albina Vision Trust, uh, as well as Multnomah County. Drew Holly, thanks very much. Thank you, David. Drew Holly is a filmmaker. You can see his film Buffalo Soldiers Fighting on Two Fronts tonight at 9 on OPB TV. Tomorrow on the show in 2012, the photographer and storyteller Matika Wilbur embarked on an enormous project to travel the country talking to and photographing people from what were then 562 federally recognized tribes. We're going to talk to her about what she's heard and seen and how it has changed her. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, and Michael, Kristen, Andrew, and Anna Kern. <laughs>